Welcome to Locked On Heat. On today's show, Udonis Haslam has officially re-signed with the Heat. We'll talk about what's next for him and then when Dwayne Wade might make a decision. Then we'll open up the mailbag to talk about if Hassan Whiteside should be allowed to shoot threes next season and which young Heat players has the most trade value. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the Heat in the NBA for fans sided. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer. who's covered the Heat and League at large for SB Nation and Fansided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRomill13. First of all, Happy New Year. A little bit of a late New Year for everybody who was celebrating over the weekend. But we're opening up the mailbag today and we'll talk about Hassan Whiteside shooting threes and who among the Heat's young players we'd prefer to trade if we had to. But let's start with the captain, Udonis Haslam, officially re-signing with the Heat. Now, we knew this was coming, David, right? Uh, But it's officially done now. What do you see? We talked a little bit about the value of Haslam and we've talked a lot about Haslam's value and impact in the locker room specifically but how do we really see this next season playing out because I want to talk specifically about his playing time because Haslam you know there was a little bit of a scuttle that he was maybe unhappy with not seeing the floor as much as he'd like to over the last couple of years maybe Spolster will try to work him into the rotation a little bit but there was so many big men on this roster right now I find it hard I, I, I don't see really a way that Haslam is is anything more than the victory cigar that he's been over the last couple of years. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Unfortunately, I think he's just not going to be able to crack the lineup. Not to say that he can't play. He's not necessarily uh, overpowering when he comes into games, but he he's you know somewhat effective, right? He's still able to do mm-hmm. things at, at full speed. He, he can switch onto a couple different players there. Um, you know, he plays the five most of the time now, but, um, you know, he still has that jumper, and I, I expect that to be able to... He'd be able to knock that down regularly the way he always has throughout his career. But it's just, it's hard at his age, being rusty, not getting any kind of consistent rhythm. He stays prepared. To his credit, he has always been one of the first guys out into the practice floor. Whenever uh, he's in town, it's always a joy to see him shooting around. He goes through the motions as if he was going to play a full 30-something minutes per game. So that's very impressive at, at this point in his career that he still maintains that kind of level of dedication. And I think that's... You know, tying into what you were saying earlier, that's where the contribution really comes from Haslam is, is showing that exemplary, uh, you know, level of professionalism that this team needs so desperately. It needs to come from somewhere. Who better than a guy who has seen as much as he has throughout his career and continues to play, you know, or, or at least, you know, prepare himself to perform at a high level. Now, as far as the actual minutes are concerned, you're right. I can't see him breaking that lineup. I could see him getting more and more playing time as the season unwinds. Uh, you know, maybe a couple games at home. Another opportunity for Heat fans to see him there and kind of wish him farewell because we do expect that this season will be the last. Although he did say, to your point earlier, that he was capable of playing at a high level for another two, three years. That just doesn't seem realistic. I think this is the longest that his signing has ever drawn on like this. And between him and Dwayne Wade, it seems like they're preparing for one more season together before they ride off together into the sunset, which is the way it should be. I agree, and I want to talk about Dwayne Wade a little bit. But, but in you know, you you mentioned that this is kind of 
been a long process or we're so late in the game when Haslam is re-signed. It's usually just been so quick and really just sort of maybe we took it for granted, but really just, you know, kind of a, a given that he would resign. He, he was on so many of these short-term deals to really right. help Miami in, in their cap space situations and things like that. I wonder if there was any due diligence on his part, maybe, you know, putting feelers out in the in for the rest of the league. Hey, would I get any playing time? You know, is there somewhere else I can go that would give me, you know, eight to 10 minutes a game or whatever it might be. I don't think that going overseas was ever a serious thing. Not because, you know, not because he wouldn't value getting playing time overseas, but he's got so many businesses and so much. Yeah. And he's got like such deep roots right now in South Florida. It just didn't make sense from that perspective to just leave and you know go play in Greece for a few years or whatever it was. Right. So it it this just makes more sense. There there is absolutely got to be an understanding between him and Spolstra and Riley and everybody involved. That look, you're probably not. This is probably going to be what it was last year. You might play here and there. Look, we'll try to get. We'll try to work you in. Maybe in more games. Maybe we'll we'll rest guys like Whiteside to, to you know to sort of prevent you know for preventative reasons. So make sure he doesn't get injured going into the, the postseason like he was last year. Uh, maybe something like that. But overall, I don't think it's going to be so, much different. But let's earlier, talk about. Well, I was going to say to oh, your point ahead. earlier, what teams could he have played for? Like, None. there seems to be kind None. of like this. You know, he's thirty-eight happen. years old. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, yeah. I look at a guy like obviously Ginobili just retired. He was going to be a lifelong spur for as long as he wanted to. Um, you got Vince Carter in Atlanta, but I still give right, Carter Dirk. the edge as far <laughs> as his playing ability is concerned. I, I, you know, the, uh, his ability to space the floor is greater than Udonis Haslam's, and so right. I think. He can still contribute somewhat. And look, let's be honest, it's Atlanta. It's a chance to draw a big name to a, a, a kind of lackluster crowd that doesn't really care too much for a Hawks team that's you know gone into heavy rebuilding mode. Vince Car- and, and Vince Carter barely played for Sacramento last year. I mean, he played right. a little bit more than I think they expect. But you're right. It's he's kind of he's a big name for a Sacramento for an Atlanta that could really use the help there. And then for you know he's a good young he's a good mentor for those young guys. He really does relish that opportunity to take young guys under his wing and sort of lead them within their first couple of years. So it's a good signing in that way. And Haslam. Yeah. Is just like that, right? Yeah. And you know, you talk about Vince Carter and, and Dirk Nowitzki and, and Manu, who just recently retired, obviously. But those guys were, you know, we love Udonis Haslam, but those guys in the pantheon of great NBA players are much higher than Haslam is on that list, right? So yeah. there's a little bit more maybe trail there. Yeah, and it's not like he's going back to his you know hometown. He is going back to his town hometown. It just happens to be the only team that he's ever played for in his NBA career. So that's uh, you know convenient and right. wonderful. Do you think that this official re-signing means anything for the Dwayne Wade situation? Do you think that he's close behind him? Does it yeah. does this have any impact? I I, I do have to you think do. that it's kind of you know perfunctory getting it out of the way, and now that that's cleared up, and there's still one roster spot available, and we're starting to get details about upcoming media day, and you know we're preparing for training camp. Now is when Dwayne Wade can make a you know as big a splash as he can possibly make at this point in his career. I think. Yeah. It's hard for a superstar level talent, arguably the third best shooting guard in NBA history, um, you know, one of the top players in all time, to kind of just you know fade into obscurity and not necessarily get the the limelight that he once did. So I think this is still an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm coming back, and he can make a nice big announcement of it and enjoy the rest of this year and get the attention in Miami that he so rightfully deserves. 
Yeah, bigger attention than Luol Deng signing in Minnesota, maybe. Ooh. Like Dwayne Wade owns September now, maybe. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, look, we're hearing news about guys like Andrew Bynum and Monte Ellis, you know, all these retreads kind of still yeah. thinking that they have an opportunity to play. But, you know, Dwayne played at a high level last year. He played at a – he was decent in spots in Cleveland mm. as a backup point guard. Um, you know, and, and for obviously at his homecoming, he played some pretty high-level games as well for Miami. So I, I don't think it's quite the same I, thing. But, yeah. I, I still think I, – and I go back to this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, go, I keep saying I don't think it's Dwayne Wade. I think it's Mickey Harrison. I think it's the Heat front office. I think they're trying to find ways to maybe unload some cap – I think that they were involved in the in the Ryan Anderson situation where he went to Phoenix and and Houston and you know was making trades and stuff. I think that they were involved in maybe trying to clear cap space that way. Right, right. I still think I think they're still looking for a way to do that. Um, but they're not going to make a move. Shove, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They, when push comes to shove, they're going to have to re-sign Dwayne Wade and then sort of figure out the cap situation later. Right. But look, right. let's talk about Hassan Whiteside because Ooh. he's been again posting videos on Instagram and such about him shooting threes and working out. We'll talk about if he should be allowed to take those threes when we get into our mailbag questions next after this quick break. We've got a couple of listener questions today. This first one comes from Billy in Cleveland, who writes in, New never-before-seen footage has been released of Hassan Whiteside draining threes. Honestly, I know it's a small sample size again, and there is a difference between an in-game situation on the practice court by yourself but if he can prove to Spo that he can hit them during training camp and preseason, should Spo and the training staff work with Whiteside on shooting threes more? I remember the beginning of the summer that you guys said Whiteside doesn't listen in regards to where the league is going as he was showing off lifting weights uh, on Instagram and things like that. Well, as far as this Instagram post is concerned, he has at least heard that he needs an outside game. Thoughts? It's interesting. And first of all, Billy, thank you so much for listening to our earlier podcast and to staying in touch and for submitting this question via iTunes, as we asked many of our listeners to do. So uh, this is... A, and for using our wor- our own words against us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, very, I mean, it's a very astute uh, mailbag question. It absolutely is. Look, I, you're, he, Billy was spot on in saying that we did point out that we didn't think he was changing with the times. I don't know that we necessarily thought of it in terms of having to space the floor more effectively because there are still concerns about whether or not that shot is legitimate. Look, to Billy's point, and we've mentioned this before, knocking down those threes in practice or in an empty gym doesn't mean a heck of a lot. And that's just the reality. I mean, look, I mentioned before in the first segment about Andrew Bynum hitting threes. I mean, coming back to the NBA. And part of the footage that we saw was him shooting threes in an empty gym. That's not to say that he's a three-point shooter. That's not realistic. I know that's his practice. Fine, whatever. The point is more about Whiteside, I think, as far as the offense is concerned. He has to be more of a willing passer, more of a free-flowing offense. Instead, with him, it's just a matter of the ball gets in his hands and it's not leaving there. And that's what happens with the offense. It bogs down and nobody else gets a shot. And then it's it's, it's difficult for other players to play alongside a guy like Whiteside when the ball is stuck in his hands as often as it is. So if he's the last option and he's open from three-point range... Sure, let it fly. Why not? If he's capable of knocking down that shot, if he's shown enough 
prowess in practice and if Spolstra feels comfortable with him doing it. But it's just a matter of making sure that that's the right shot. Look, when we go back to the 2014 Spurs that demolished the Heat in the NBA Finals, obviously still painful. But the thing that made them so effectively effective was that they kept moving the ball until they found the perfect shot. Rotation, rotation, rotation. The ball touched all five players on, on, on maybe once, maybe twice on, on the same play until they found the best, most efficient shot, whether it's at the rim, whether it's an 18-footer, whether it's a 23-footer. It's the shot that's wide open. That's what you want to do. And with Whiteside, it's not that he can't get that shot off. It's that whether or not he's in the right place at the right time to do so. We saw him knock down to three. I think those were in bailout situations. I can't recall exactly what what the shot were. were, He knocked down his two three-point attempts last year, but I can't remember exactly in what context they were. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it's going to be something that he implements regularly, it should be the right kind of shot, not necessarily a long one. I want to go back to what Billy said about if he if Spo sees that Whiteside can hit them during training camp in the preseason. Yeah, I'm all look the the heat let Bam play point guard during summer right, league. I'm right. all for using preseason to experiment. Right. Yeah. They're obviously going to do it in training camp. That's just part of training camp. But during preseason, you know, the heat have typically used preseason to do two things, sort of get their offense into gear. Um, and then try out some of these end of bench guys. They right, right. play a lot of those kind of guys. To you know, they're they're Sioux Falls Sky Force. You know, prospects. They give them a lot of playing time. I'm down to play Whiteside at the stretch five position during preseason. Why not? See if he could shoot it. If he's, we've asked we asked guys like you know LeBron James when he was younger, Dwayne Wade. Uh, why don't you just spend your summer working shooting threes? And now obviously it's a very different context. They were, you know, elite in almost every other facet of the game, or Whiteside is far from that. And Whiteside probably should be spending time figuring out how to switch defensively, get quicker feet, be more agile on that end. You know, like you said, pass the ball a little bit better. Right. But if he could, maybe he is doing that. And maybe he's also, I'm all for everything. Try everything. Throw it all <laughs> against the wall during preseason. Because why not? We look, we've seen guys like, over the years, Brooke Lopez, Jonas Valanciunas, right. all these guys who were just, you know, plotters in the middle of the lane, just like Hassan Whiteside, learn to shoot threes. If he can start doing that, why not? Look, Whiteside is never going to win a game with his basketball IQ. It's always just been raw talent with him. And, and I've always thought he's got a pretty decent stroke for a guy his size. So why not start <laughs> shooting threes? If he's not going to be this smart player in the paint, which he's never going to be that, then he's got to figure out other ways to get better, and this might be it. I'm trying to think in what terms that that shot would be unloaded in a game, and I'm thinking it's going to be like the starting lineup as we project it with Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters when he comes back, if he comes back, Josh Richardson at the three, James Johnson and Hassan. I could see a situation where it's a four-out with Dion driving to the rim and then kicking it out where they swing, swing, swing the ball. And then if Hassan is open, particularly from the corners, that might be yeah. the best shot, right? I mean, I, I, and I'm surprised because we've seen these shots. And I yeah, think, I mean, they're not going to run a, maybe a pick and pop maybe with Whiteside. I mean, if he could actually set the screen, that would be he's nice. He's not Chris Bosh. Yeah, I don't see that happening. That's part of the problem is that he's yeah. not as good a screen setter. And I don't that's know. I, I, I just don't see it. And, and that's another thing, too, is I'm curious. Like in these in this footage, again, B, it's just a practice situation or whatever. He's shooting from the top of the key, which is not as good or high as high an efficient shot as it is from the corner. I have yet to see him shooting the corner three, and he didn't do that when he shot mm. his two attempts last year either. It's like, hey, camp out there in the corner. You know, that's that's probably the best place for you. It's a shorter shot, obviously, and it's more likely for you to knock it down with any kind of regularity. I don't see why we haven't seen him knocking down those corner threes. 
and it's easier to get there from the paint. I just want to say that I just recently signed up. Uh, I got a 24-hour fitness membership because nice. they have a basketball court. Yeah. And where I live, there's just no good basketball courts around. And I just got sick of driving around town until I could find a hoop. So I signed up for 24-hour fitness. Shouts to 24. If you want to sponsor the podcast, we're open to it. Absolutely. Um, and I was, in the, I was in there getting some shots up on Saturday. Okay. And I was making a lot of threes. So I don't know. Maybe I can go into the NBA and just be a stretch five too. I mean, look. My point is that Whiteside. You, yeah, you could take videos of shooting threes, and you can make the videos look really good, right? Like if you put a, if I would have taken an Instagram video of me, people would have thought that I was Steph Curry because I hit like three out of fifteen. But if you took videos of those three, I look great. And so that's that's the that there's a huge difference not only between hitting them in practice. And hitting them in a game, a twenty percent. But this is, Simmons, but this I is mean. even less than hitting them in practice. This is hitting them on Instagram, right? Where there's yeah. a ton of redos. So good point. There, we'll see. But that that said, I'm all for I'm all for Whiteside experimenting, and I, you know we've we've talked about this subject quite a few times, I think. And yeah. the the other big the, the the concern that you and I have had that we've talked about is if you open up the floodgates there. There is a slippery slope when you start allowing wide side to shoot threes because suddenly does they start taking four or five of them a game? That's the problem. Or right. the when when let's just say miraculously he's a thirty percent three point shooter, right? Yes. When guys start closing out on him, you don't trust him to put the ball down on the floor and dribble out of it, and you don't really and you don't pass him. You don't trust him to pass out of the situation right. either. Right. So now all of a sudden he's taking contested threes, which is the worst possible version of this right yeah he's not as he's not half as smart as brooke lopez you mentioned him <laughs> expanding his range and then we talk about i mm. talked about the spurs earlier he's not that kind of high iq player that knows when to make the right pass look if, right. if, if he's and even has like a, an ability to put the ball on the floor a little absolutely bit. yeah More something so that we talked side. about yeah absolutely yeah. And, and and look he's he's triple team in the low post that's on is and he still puts up the shot and that's much more of that's a much higher percentage shot so, yeah, with three-point range, with just a sliver of space, oh, I could see him wanting to unload that shot with some regularity. And that's, you know, it's going to take some adjustment. So, Billy, yeah. great question. We'd love to see Hassan all of a sudden have a level of engagement and awareness that we have yet to see so far. And if that's the case, and he can make the right three, if he can hit the three at the right opportunity, then we're all for yeah. it. Let's do it during preseason. We'll see what's the worst case. Worst case. Worst thing that happens is you lose a preseason game. Big deal. Yeah. Um, look, or in, or if it doesn't work, you can always trade Hassan Whiteside or at least try to. And to do that, Miami might have to attach an asset to him. That mm. relates to our next mailbag question. If we had to keep one of Miami's young players, who would we pick? We'll talk about that after this quick break. Let's go to our last mailbag question of the day. Remember, you can send us your questions on iTunes by leaving a rating and a review, and then just to leave your question in that review. Let's get to our final one here. June asks, if we ever have to deal any from the young trio of Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and Justice Winslow to pair with Hassan, Tyler, or Goran Dragic, who from those three would we be, would we be, would we be better off keeping and building on for the future? So we basically have to, if we had to attach a young piece to a Whiteside or a Tyler Johnson deal, which we've talked about that as an option, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who's the last guy we pick to attach to a deal? If it's Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo, assuming, I guess, the other team is just like, pick whichever one you want to attach. Right. Any any young guy will do. Um, that's a this tough is hard. one. This, this is yeah, tough yeah. One. I, I mean, look, I, I think it depends on, on who you're trading away, obviously. Um, for my answer... 
you know, I, I think I think it's Justice Winslow to be honest with you, and I, that might be surprising for some of our longer you know listeners. Um, I, but I have changed on him. I think <laughs> I, I just think that Bam. I, I love Bam's potential, and it's just funny how so many people are convinced that Bam is going to be a, an impactful player when you and I don't agree with that perspective. It's not that it's whoa, not whoa, to say whoa. that don't want me in there. No, no, no. Yeah, you and I. Well, you said it earlier. You said you didn't think he was going to get the opportunity. It's not that he doesn't have the talent or the ability. He's just not going to get the opportunity oh, 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 to do so. I thought that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of playing time. Right. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It's not that he's, oh, okay. he lacks skill or anything like that. We've seen some very positive things from him in summer league. He definitely has ability. He has versatility. Maybe he lacks a little polish. He's just not going to get a lot of uh, chance. I think to get a, a significant playing time to show it off. Unless there's an injury to Hassan, or unless Whiteside's traded, or something like that. But um, so that being the case, I'd probably be most willing to trade Bam, knowing that we already have Olenek for a few years and Whiteside mm-hmm. is an unmovable deal. So I think Winslow is the player that you'd I would rather keep at this point. I'd have to agree with you. Look, I'm not happy about any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want to trade um, the, the most, the brightest part of this team's future, you know. But as far as Val, like the ratio of value value to unknown. Yeah, Bam has the highest value to unknown, right? We don't know. We both think that Bam has this huge bright future ahead of him, but you're right. There's not he, really he a may path not be to able to find it here. Yeah, and rather than just let him waste away on the bench, but right. because you can't trade Whiteside or whatever, uh, I would. It makes more sense to trade him if you had to. Um, I that said, if it was if you know. In regards to June's question, I mean, if if we had to, I wouldn't pair Bam with Whiteside. I think that would change the equation a little bit, right? Absolutely. If it was Whiteside that you're trading, maybe you, I don't know that it 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 changes it a little bit. I still don't know. And what you're trading for too, yeah. Yeah, and what you're trading for too. I mean, yeah, there's a lot that goes in here, but I'm I'm trying to look at this in a vacuum as much as possible, kind of like all things even. If you're getting a quality wing player and you're trading Tyler away, yeah, then. Maybe you'd be willing to part with Richardson, knowing that you're gonna, he's not going to necessarily be your starter anymore. I you just, know, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. This it, sucks. It, it, yeah, yeah. We don't like <laughs> we don't like this question, June. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you submitting it, but at the same time, it's just look. Uh, you know, all obviously a lot. I want to trade Hassan and Tyler. Can I attach Tyler to Hassan? In exchange for three first-round picks and a superstar player. Sure, why not? Is there an expiring $40 million contract that we could take back? <laughs> Look, I mean, our, our young players are... There's a lot of hope and a lot of optimism there. Even if they don't get that opportunity. Look, Bam still has two years left on his rookie deal. And we expect that he's going to get that opportunity at some point. Whether it's here or elsewhere, we'd like for it to be here. So, no more questions about trading our young players. Even if it means having to trade away... Include them to 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 move you know, Hassan's contract or Tyler's. Contract. It, it it was recently reported that Josh Richardson yes was I mean, the Heat offered or the Heat were offered a first round pick for Richardson. We don't know where that first pick. I mean, it might have been the twenty eighth pick. That at least one team offered a first rounder in exchange for Josh Richardson. Yeah. Maybe multiple offers around around that same area. So and, and it's nice to know that the Heat. Well, they didn't. They didn't consider that that was enough for a player of of Richardson's quality. So I mean, that's, that's yeah. Impressive. I'm, I'm, I mean, it is. It's impressive what they think about Josh Richardson. Maybe it. It kind of tells me that maybe it was a middle to late first round pick for Richardson. Which, yeah, obviously don't trade him for that. If somebody offered, if the Suns offered the first pick for Josh Richardson, or the Dallas offered their pick for Josh Richardson, I'd have been like, well, you probably should have taken that. But, um, yeah. So that does show sort of where their value for Josh Richardson is. But uh, 
Anyway, that's all we have for today. That's the end of our mailbag. Thank you for listening. As always, you can reach us by email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Support the show by visiting our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat. By the way, on that Patreon page, and you don't have to be a patron to access it, David and I are in the middle of preparing a written preview for the the season, previewing all things Miami Heat. It's going to be very in-depth. It's going to be very awesome. We've got a lot of exciting things in store for you. You can go to the Patreon page, again, patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat, and contribute to the preview. There is a questionnaire for you to fill out that talks about your favorite Heat player to watch, your opinions on where the Heat are right now as a franchise, and, and you know where they are as far as their roster is. And we'll take as many as those as possible and actually put them in the preview. So if you want to contribute to that, that's the way to do it. Um, and that's it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. Got it, Wes. Thanks for listening. One last thing before you go. If you run a company and you're unhappy with your return from advertising online or in print, try something new and advertise on a podcast here at Locked on Heat. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. More and more people are listening every day. 50% of U.S. households listen to a podcast, and one in five Americans between ages 18 and 49 listen to at least one a month. That's according to Nielsen. Thanks to the rise in mobile options from iTunes to Spotify and more to your smart speaker at home, there's more ways than ever to listen to podcasts. Now is the time to get in. Be ahead of your competition and start advertising on a podcast with us. Our rates are reasonable and based on the number of listens, so you get what you pay for, with numbers to back it up. Whereas print, TV, and radio ads are a shot in the dark. You have no idea who is reading, watching, or listening. That's not the case with podcasts. If you want to reach engaged, passionate, and knowledgeable South Floridians, this is the way to do it. For more information on next steps, email us at lockedonheat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company on the next episode.